the revelation, isn't it? We have the victory, and we will continue to have the victory. And we praise God for His blessing, for His grace, mercy, care, and love. It is good to see you here, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance. Uh, for those who are here presently, uh, physically, and those who are online, we praise God for you participating and being with us this morning in our worship service to our great and wonderful God. Let's please go to God in a word of prayer. O merciful and kind, righteous, wonderful, heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We praise you. We love you. We thank you. We thank you for this beautiful day, for this opportunity to serve you. We're thankful, Lord God, that heaven responds to our worship. We pray that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight and in accordance to your will and your way. That, Lord God, your word will be spoken in truth, in spirit and in truth. And that our worship, Lord God, will be in spirit and in truth. Please keep our minds from worldly thought. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great son, who died so willingly on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary that we might live. It's because of him and through his blood that we're here today because of your great love. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee. It be thy will. Amen. Revelation chapter 21 this morning. The vision of John given to him through Jesus. He's given us now a vision of the beautiful bride of Christ. And the bride is described as the holy city. Bright. And beautiful because of the glory of our great God. And we get a look into the beauties in the beautiful church of Christ, the bride of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, a look at the church or the bride as God sees it. What does God see in us, right? And we look around and we know what we see, but what does God see inside of us, his bride? Beginning in verse 1, the holy city. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Turn to Galatians chapter chapter 6 for just a moment. The church is represented as the bride, the holy city, and Jerusalem. Notice that the church, this bride, this new Jerusalem, comes down out of heaven. Israel and Jerusalem and the church we're going to see that they're one. In Galatians 6 and verse 15, For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. And so what God is showing us is that the Israel today is the church. There's an old Israel And there is a new Israel, the new Jerusalem. Back to Revelation, please. Chapter 21. 
the new Jerusalem in contrast to the Roman Empire that was cruel, uh, that persecuted the Christians, the new earth that God has given or designated. In verse 9, the Bible says, And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I shall show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Now we need to put all this together. I want to show you in the Old Testament, let's go back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, that in the book of Isaiah, Jerusalem or Israel, Israel is described as a wife. And in the same chapter later, She's described as a city. And I'm going to show you that that whether you're talking about the wife or you're talking about the city, in the text, in the Bible, they're one and the same. Beginning, if you will, at verse 4. The wife. Fear not, for you will not be put to shame, neither feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced, but you will forget the shame of your youth. And the reproach of your widowhood and you will remember no more. For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected says your God. So here, here she's the bride, the wife. Verse 11, same chapter. O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in atimony, and your foundations I will lay in sapphires. Moreover, I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates of crystal and your entire wall of precious stones. I just wanted you to see that when we look at when we're looking at the book of Revelation, when you think of the city and you think of the the New Jerusalem, you're talking about one and the same. When you when you talk of Israel, you're talking about the kingdom of God. When you're looking into the Old Testament, God describes the city as if she's a person or people. It's Jerusalem or Israel. Revelation, please, 21. Spiritually speaking, the Lord's kingdom, the church, is the new Israel. The Israel of today. Verse 9, please, again. Revelation 21. And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me, saying, Come here. And I shall show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. Now let's think about this for just a moment. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. So now the city... Or this bride, right? Here's this bride or this city, this new Jerusalem. Here this city or this bride 
is described as stones. This kingdom of God is described as stones or a city. Jesus says in verse 18 of Matthew 16, And I also say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The church and the kingdom, the church, bride of Christ, is costly. Costly. The only one able to purchase lost souls is Jesus. Because it's costly. Back to chapter 13. He tried to explain this in Matthew 13 to the saints. He tried to explain to them how costly, how precious each soul is. And that the only one who could purchase these souls, the only one who could afford to purchase these souls, these saints, is Jesus, the church, the kingdom. Verse 44, the Bible says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, and from joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The value, the precious value of the church. Revelation 21 wants us to look at the value of the kingdom of God. So we're going back there now. We're going to look at verse 11 and verse 12. I want, I want you to understand as the Bible is teaching us that the kingdom is precious in the sight of God. The bride of Christ is beautiful to God. And we're looking at an outside view of her beauty. The walls are high. The gates are wide. Beginning in verse 11. Having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone, a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names were written on them, which are those of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And all the wall, and the wall of the city, had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So she is victorious. 12, remember 12, the number 12 in the world of numerology and spirituality stands for organized religion. And here is the perfect unity of God. So notice in this text, it mentions that in in the first verse, in verse um, 12, it says, and it had great walls, high walls with 12 gates and the gates had 12 angels. They had names were written on them, which are of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. So, the sons of Israel, and in verse 14, it goes all the way down and says, the twelve names are the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Organized religion. 
Israel, the old and the new, join together as one. This is what God is showing us. The perfect picture of the bride of Jesus is Israel and the church joined together as one. This is God's people, God's kingdom. And the foundation stones. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens of the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together as a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So, when we speak of this new Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, we're talking about the kingdom of God joined together as one, both old and new, unity, united by the greatness of our God. Now let's go back to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 15. John comes out and he sees the church, the kingdom, being measured. In verse 15 it says, And the one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its walls. Turn back to Ezekiel chapter 42. Here's the question. Why, why are the gates, the cities, the walls, why is it being measured at all? And God gives us the answer. And the answer is to divide between the holy and the profane. In other words, what Revelation is going to start telling us now is that wicked people, wicked people are not in the church. Rome is not the church. In order to come to the Lord, wicked people have to change. We'll come back to that. In just a moment. In Revelation, I mean, excuse me, Ezekiel 42, beginning at verse 15. Why is he measuring? Why has God measured things out regarding people? 15. Now, when he had finished measuring the inner house, he brought me out by the way of the gate, which faced toward the east, and measured it all around. He measured On the east side, with the measuring reed, 500 reeds by the measuring reed. He measured on the north side, 500 reeds by the measuring reed. On the south side, he measured 500 reeds with the measuring reed. He turned to the west side and measured 500 reeds with the measuring reed. He measured it on the four sides. It had a wall all around, the length 500 and the width of 500 to divide between the holy and the profane. There is a separation that we must understand. I hear this often. I want to back to Revelation, please, 21. I hear this often. I hear Christians describing human beings they consider good as Christians. Your works does not make you a Christian. It's your conversion and baptism that makes you a Christian. 
And so when we step back and we say, oh, well, so-and-so is pretty good, you know. He's a Roman, but he's not a Roman Roman. I mean, he's not really, like, persecuting us. You know, he's, he's a Christian. No, he's not. That was a Roman. And so the world is separated from the church. And if we don't recognize that, there's one or two reasons. Either one, we just, we don't believe it. Or two, maybe we're just trying to justify the reason not to evangelize. You see, the Bible makes it clear that there are two groups of people on the earth. The saved and the lost. And that's it. We get caught up in race and everything else. No, no, no. We get caught up in money. No. There are two groups of people on the earth. The saved and the lost. And that makes up the human race. Brethren, God wants us to understand with clarity... That he only has one bride. And his bride is pure. Not because the people in the church are pure. But because the blood of Jesus Christ makes it pure. Makes us pure. There is a separation and a distinction that is given to us in this text. If you will, back to verse 15. And the one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its walls. And the city is laid out as a square. And its length is as great as its width. And is measuring the city with the rod. 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its walls 72 yards according to human measurements. Which are also angelic measurements. And the material... Of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like crystal glass. And the foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth Crystal phase, the eleventh Jasonith, the twelfth Amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. So this great city, this, this image that we received, the great city, the walls are fifteen hundred miles tall. And long and wide. And it's square. Like in Ezekiel. It's square. Which stands for strength. And the walls are thick. And tall. And beautiful. And verse 21. The Bible says. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. So can you imagine, you know, diamonds are a girl's best friend. <laughs> Give her one of these pearls. <laughs> you know, the gate was a pearl. Right? And God is showing us, he's showing us the beauty of the church. The reason why God's people should never walk around ashamed in our world today. We are beautiful in the sight of God. While we should hold our head high, we have everything to offer the world. They have nothing to offer us in Christ. 
to stand as a child of God, recognizing the beauty and the splendor and the preciousness that God sees in us because of, by and through, that great blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the illumination of the church. When folks see you, when folks see us, we're like a walking, talking church building. And we are the lights in the midst of a dying and despairable world, if you will. In verse 23, the Bible says, And the city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the nation shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. There's no need of the sun. Turn to Isaiah chapter 60. Because God has illumined it. Is this not what Jesus Christ has told us in Matthew chapter 5? You are the light of the world. Brother, don't let your light grow dim. You, we are lights of the world. We are the flavor of the world, the salt of the earth. We are different, uniquely different and peculiar people. And when folks see us, they see hope. When folks see us, they should see Christ. When folks see us, they should see the great glory of our God. In Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 17, instead of bronze, I will bring gold. And instead of iron, I will bring silver. And instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron, I will make peace your administrators. And righteousness your overseers. Violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. No longer will you have the sun for light by day. Nor for brightness will the moon give you light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. And your God for your glory. Your sun will set no more. Neither will your moon wane. For you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. And the days of your mourning will be finished. Then all your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Get God's plan. Here it is. Salvation for all of his people. Joined together now as one in the kingdom. Now the kingdom, the new Israel, the old and the new, the new Israel. And then in the end, every one of God's people who are faithful to the Lord go to heaven and be with him forevermore. Don't you want it? You know how many Christians have thrown salvation away? Don't you want it? Do you not desire it? God in the Old Testament is talking about the glorification of the Jews through Jesus Christ. And it does not matter what is going on in the world. The light of Jesus shines forevermore because of the glory of God. The church is the light of the world.
And brethren, we sometimes forget to be that reflection of Jesus. Sometimes we're not that reflection of Jesus because of the decisions, the choices that that we have made. But God expects His kingdom to be a light in the midst of a dark and cruel and vicious world. And He expects us to be people who, though we are living in the world, to have our minds outside of the world in the spirit world, in Jesus. And so back to Revelation 21. In these days, uh, every city had gates and walls. And the cities would close their gates. I'm thinking of Jerusalem in particular right now. And the reason they would close their gates would be for protection. But listen to what God says in verse 23. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine upon it. For the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the nations shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. The gates are open wide. And they're open wide because they don't need protection any longer. In verse 24, the nations shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring his glory into it. And in the daytime, for there shall be no night there. Its gates shall never be closed. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination, lying, shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book. Of life. I want to read that one more time. Verse 26. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean. And no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You don't fall into the kingdom. We don't work our way into the kingdom. We have to be converted. It's clear. The Bible makes it clear. The conversion of the nations is spoken of in Revelation 21. The saints have won the victory They have been converted and become disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the victorious church against all odds and all evil, Rome and Gog, Magog, all evil that's come its way. The church of Christ has stood because of the greatness of God. For thousands of years, brethren, the church of Christ remains. Don't you want to be a member of the victorious church, of the victorious kingdom of God? How much longer will the world fight God and fight their salvation? Salvation is open to all and ready for you to enter into it. Galatians chapter 3, please. And we'll close there. The only New Testament 
kingdom that has been victorious, victorious for thousands of years by, through, and because of the power of the living God The Bible has made it clear that even through all of the persecution and the devastation of Rome, we win. And we have won. And we will continue to win. So chapter 21, this is what chapter 21 has done for us. It has given us or granted to us a view of the outside of the city, the bride of Christ. Chapter 22 will give us a view of the inside of the city. But here's a question that I have to ask you online and those who are here today. Are you standing on the outside of Christ? And you see the church, right? You know it's there. You've driven past it. You've thought about being baptized into Christ, surrendering unto the Lord. You've considered it a time or two. You've realized it's the right thing to do. You've heard the word of God. You've believed it. You're ready to repent. You're ready to confess his name, but you haven't done it yet. And so now you're standing on the outside and you're seeing this beautiful kingdom. But don't think you're a part of it yet. For Christ is the only way in. And it's through baptism. All of those things brought you to the kingdom. And now you stand outside the gate. And you want in. But there's only one way to get into Christ Jesus. Galatians, please. Chapter 3 and verse 24. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. Now notice what it says. The law will bring you to Christ. But we don't want to go to the city. We don't want to come to Christ. We want to get inside of Christ. We want to clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, verse 24. Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. The patriarchal dispensation, the mosaical dispensation, Christ dispensation, all joined together as one. Heirs, fellow heirs of the kingdom of God. But in order to become a fellow heir, you've got to get in to Christ Jesus. And that's through the waters of baptism. We invite you this morning to surrender to God, if that is your desire, to enter into His salvation, to receive His blessed gift, His compassion, His mercy, His care. And his love. The lesson is yours. I pray God maybe there's someone this morning that may want to surrender their lives to Jesus. Or perhaps there's someone this morning that would like to uh, confess or make, uh, have repentance in their heart and ask for prayers of the church. We're here for you. And if we can help in any way, please make it known in just a moment. We're going to stand and sing.
a song of invitation.